whatever those things that are holding us hostage in anxiety, that we would lay those at Jesus' feet. So if you're taking notes, um, I don't think you have to think very hard about that thing that's making you anxious. I want you to jot it down in the corner of your note sheet. What is making you anxious? What's, what's troubling you? And jot that down on the corner of the note sheet just as a way to address it, but also set it off to the side. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 23, like Eric has mentioned. So in your Bibles, go ahead and find Psalm 23. I want to make a kind of a, something that's obvious, but I also want to just make sure we're aware. I'm not a medical professional, not a doctor. If I'm ever in a situation where I'm your doctor, uh, I'm so sorry, and something's gone terribly wrong for that to ever be the case. Um, but I'm not a medical professional. I do have something to say when it comes to anxiety. So I'm not a doctor. And so there are um, clinical anxiety diagnoses out there, and those are totally fine, and those could be addressed in certain ways. I don't have the... Uh, intellect or the chops to ever like talk in that way clinically if there are imbalances there's modern medicine that can can certainly treat those um, but i'm not going to address anxiety from a medicinal point of view but rather a spiritual point of view and so uh, there is a side of that coin so we're going to address anxiety um, in our hearts because there's something that happens not only um, in our heads when we're wigging ourselves out in moments of anxiety but there's something that is also happening in our hearts and i want to address the heart um, in anxiety. So I want to just address that, that I'm not claiming to be a, a know-it-all in this area, but I do have something to say when it comes to anxiety and it's found in God's word. I want to start off with the story though. So uh, at my previous church, I was uh, doing odd and end projects around the church. It, it was a very small church, small staff, so I wore a lot of hats. I was um, doing a lot of different tasks um, throughout the week and this particular one, I was running all over the building doing small projects. And it's not uncommon for me to leave my wallet on the corner of my desk along with my keys just so I just know where they're always at. You guys have that spot where you always just lay your things. That's your spot. And whenever those things aren't in that spot, things go bad. <laughs> just, where's my wallet? Where, where's my keys? And so I lost my wallet one day during that day and I was freaking out. I was worried that, uh, one, that someone uh, stole my wallet. There was a lot of people moving in and out of the church that day, and I thought someone had stolen my wallet, um, my bank account. I was fearing that it had been drained. All my money was gone. Um, at the time, um, my ex-wife and I, we were uh, saving up for adoption, so we had a large chunk of money in our bank account that was donated to us, and I was like, I was literally thinking, all that money's gone. What are we going to do? And my, my bank account is frozen or whatever. And then I have a church credit card also. So not only am I fearing that like my bank account is going to be drained, but also the church bank account is going to be drained. Like this is going to be so bad. And I was sending myself into a panic attack because I was so worried that someone had stolen my wallet. And so I was just hoping that I had just left it at home and didn't even bring it with me that day. So accepting defeat I pack up my stuff and I put my Bible away, which was open on my desk. And as I fold up my Bible, my wallet was under the cover of my Bible. So the moral of the story is read your Bible, kids. 
<laughs> I was, I, you just feel silly in those moments though, right? Whenever you just fear the absolute worst, like you draw these false conclusions and you start operating out of that false conclusion as if it's true, sending yourself into like legit panics and, and anxiousness and it hasn't even happened. Like how silly do, do we feel whenever we've overcomplicated, we just have broadcast or we've projected this worst case scenario and acted as if it had already happened. This is what anxiety does. Anxiety draws negative futures that haven't even happened yet. There's, there's some slight differences I want to acknowledge between anxiety and worry and between anxiety and depression. Anxiety is saying, someone stole my wallet. Worry is saying, I hope no one is going to steal my wallet. Do you see the differences? Anxiety said, this has already happened. This is absolutely true. Worry is saying, I hope this doesn't happen. The subtle differences between anxiety and depression, depression kind of sees the world in gray. It's kind of lost its color. Just kind of meh. Depression can be labeled as gray. Anxiety is labeled as black. This is absolutely happening. It's awful. This is the worst case scenario, and it is happening now. We, like your phones, have an operating system. Your Macs have an operating system. We have an operating system. And oftentimes we are operating out of, out of anxiety rather than operating out of peace. We've actually started operating out of anxiety so often that we actually don't know what normal is even like. But what would you do if I actually told you that you can actually start operating out of peace instead of anxiety? That some of you have been operating out of anxiety so long that you don't even know what operating out of peace is even like. But that's, that's the trade-off that, that Christ delivers, is that we don't have to live a life operating out of anxiety, but rather we can actually be operating out of peace. And the question that we're actually asking Whenever we're in an anxious state or an anxious moment or season, we're actually asking one question. How is this going to pan out okay? How is this going to work out? How is this situation going to work out okay? This is the question that our heart is really asking. And the reality is, is that we do this more than we'd care to admit. That we have anxiety as an operating system or as an engine by which we run, but we don't have to operate out of anxiety, but we can rather operate out of peace. So we're going to be diving into Psalm 23, which is a special psalm to me, and I'm sure it is to a lot of you. It's, it's one you may have heard, you've heard it often. Um, for me, as a seven-year-old and even in elementary school, my mom would drive my brother and I to Alexander Donovan, and on the way to school, um, my mom would have us memorize scripture, which at first I was like, Mom, why can't we just listen to the radio like normal people? Um, 
But Psalm 23 was one of those passages. And it's one of those, it's the, the passage that I recite to myself the most. It's the passage that I go back to. It's the one that I always have with me and I carry it with me wherever I go because I need peace. I'm well acquainted with what it means to live a life of anxiety. I've been there. There was a season of my life where I literally, every day for over a year, woke up with anxiety and went to bed with it. And the minute I woke up, that tightness in my chest would hit and my breathing would be short. And I was paralyzed by, by fear of anxiousness. And it, it, it disturbed everything about me. It, it changed me completely. I, I wasn't able to eat. My sense of humor was gone. The joy that I once had in Christ was absent. I was paralyzed by fear and anxiousness. I've been there. And I know the story is the same for you. If you've wrestled with anxiety that you know you're not yourself. And so if you're there, if you're paralyzed by anxiety, I just want you to know, one, I've been specifically praying for your heart in this series, but also that you would experience peace, maybe for the first time. Because it's no accident in Scripture that we encounter someone whose name is called the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And what a gift that knowing that we would encounter life where we would have these hardships and struggles and we'd experience these, these awful worst case scenario moments, that God would know that we need peace and provide that in the person of Jesus. So with that, we're going to look into Psalm 23. You're going to learn more about sheep than you actually care to know. But this is going to paint us a beautiful picture of the love of God. So um, Psalm 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. See, anxiety is a bad habit we need to unlearn or uninstall from our lives. I vividly just remember sitting in my therapist's office, just gripped by anxiety, just wondering what, was, what is it like to wake up without it, without anxiety. I remember that day very well. And hearing um, my therapist speak truth over me, and recite God's word over me and to actually start to play offense with my mental health. I think oftentimes we just, we just like want to sit back and let the circumstances around us just shape up and get their act together whenever we're, I'm not actually doing things to actually help my mental health. 
But whenever I started to take and play offense and start to take my mental health seriously is when I started to see growth. It's when I started to experience peace through God and his word and through me taking active steps forward in that. So I want to draw a couple points from our passage. Point number one is that Jesus knows your every need and can address your every need. Jesus knows your every need and can address your every need. Primarily, sheep need a couple things to operate. Food, water, rest, and a shepherd who knows how to lead them. That's it. They need food, they need water, they need rest, and they need a shepherd that can lead them. This psalm starts out with an incredibly profound reality. And I want you to get this. This is serious. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. In other words, the Lord is shepherding me well. What more could I need? Sheep will not lie down when they are hungry. They also won't drink from fast flowing streams. And sometimes the shepherd would actually have to dam up a fast flowing stream to slow it down so the sheep can actually have a drink. Verse 2 is telling us that the sheep are able to lie down because they are not hungry. The shepherd is caring for them. He is providing their needs. In verse 3 where it says right paths, it could mean well-worn paths or ruts. When sheep start to explore new paths, they inevitably get themselves into situations they don't need to be in. They get stuck, they get lost, or they put themselves in danger. But God, being a good shepherd, will lead his sheep along right paths and it will result in God receiving the glory. So knowing what we know about sheep, doesn't that change our perspective to the first three verses? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. God is my shepherd. He's shepherding me well. What more could I want? He lets me lie down in green pastures. I'm not hungry. He leads me beside still waters where I can drink. He's providing for my needs. What more could I want? God is shepherding me well. Point number two. Jesus is beside us in our darkest valley. Jesus is beside us in our darkest valley. Verse four says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the central verse of the entire psalm and you've probably heard this verse a lot. The pronoun changes from being about God to about you and I. So David's not speaking about the shepherd anymore, but he's rather speaking to the shepherd. He's saying in the darkest valley, God is not before us, 
but beside us, leading the way and calming our angst. See, the reality is, is I don't know what's making you anxious. I don't know what's troubling you. But I do know this. In your darkest, saddest, loneliest, most anxious moments, God is not inattentive. He's not disinterested. He's not distant. He is beside you in the mess. Sheep lack good vision, and they're easily frightened by new circumstances, even if the circumstances aren't necessarily dangerous. It could be because it's just dark, could be new scenery, it could be a new person, but the presence of the shepherd, even in frightening circumstances, calms his sheep. My dad, my mom and dad live on a farm, and for a time, my dad had about 20 to 30 sheep. So I guess you could say my dad's a shepherd. I don't know. But I was going to the farm to help him, help him with his sheep sometimes, and uh, I would go with him to help with the sheep. And as we're walking, my dad and I are talking, and as we're talking, my dad would just tell me we're getting closer to the sheep, and he would just tell me to, like, be quiet. <laughs> and then he noticed the sheep were getting like anxious. They were like scattering. And he told me to hold back, for, like just stay here so my dad could approach them. The sheep know my dad. The sheep don't know me. But it's the presence of the shepherd that calmed the sheep. Even if the circumstances weren't dangerous. So I couldn't even approach them. If, if had my dad not been there and I approached the sheep, they would have just scattered because it was a new person. They were not safe with me in their minds. But it's the presence of the shepherd that brings peace. It's the presence of the shepherd that brings peace. I want to say it one more time. It's the presence of the shepherd that brings peace. You guys can envision a, a shepherd's staff looks like a big candy cane. The rod that the shepherd would carry were very heavy. And this was on, ten, on, on purpose. A shepherd's staff could stun or kill an attacking animal or predator. And the staff was used to assist the shepherd in good or bad circumstances. And in the evening, the sheep would pass under the crook one by one, so the shepherd could count them and examine them. You see why we count sheep to fall asleep now? This sheep would pass under the staff of this shepherd and be accounted for and examined. And the sheep knowing that was just part of the gig. At the end of the day, I'm going to go under my shepherd's staff and I'm going to be examined. But I'm, I'm okay because I'm with my shepherd. The shepherd would do this at the end of every day, and the sheep would know the circumstances that I'm in right now may not be ideal. We may not be in a place I want to be in, but I'm with my shepherd. I'm under his care, and I'm right where I need to be. It would give the flock peace, knowing that the shepherd was there. He's with his sheep. 
And the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are. And peace will fill our hearts because his peace, his presence brings peace. Point number three, Jesus may not remove the danger, but he does help us overcome. Verses five and six kind of take a shift in how the psalm looks because we're in the field with the sheep and then verses five and six say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. It seems like we like entered into a dinner party, right? But let me bring a, a touch of clarity to this passage. That table doesn't necessarily mean something to eat on like a dinner table at your home, but rather flat places on a hilly countryside would be considered a table. A flat piece of land on a hilly area. And this spot would allow for the sheep to slow down and to rest. The goal of shepherding is to bring the flock safely back to the fold. And the fold is just kind of like their resting area. It's not because I'm smart. I read that somewhere and that's what it says. So it's just a fold, a sheep's fold. So the goal of shepherding is to bring the flock safely back to the fold. This was an area where the sheep would lay down and sleep and it would be a stone-like wall that the sheep would sleep against so they knew they were safe. And the shepherd would lay down across the entrance of this fold as a way to rest and protect the sheep at the same time. And in this area, the shepherd would examine the sheep and tend to the sick and the hurt. And also the shepherd would apply oil to the heads and horns of the sheep to help keep the flies and other insects away. And the sheep would be peaceful knowing they were safe and could even sleep without fear. So the shepherd would lay down at the entrance of this fold with all the sheep behind it, knowing it's safe, knowing they can rest well because their shepherd is with them. And the shepherd's thinking over his day and he's thinking, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not anxiety, depression, stress, strife but goodness and mercy. God is providing. He's a good shepherd. God is indeed a good shepherd. He knows your needs. He can address your every need. He's beside us in our darkest valley. He may not remove the danger, the thing looming over you, the unfortunate circumstances. He may not remove those from you, but he will help you overcome. He will be with you in that. In the old covenant, the sacrifices were made and sheep would die for the shepherd to be made right with God. In the new covenant, the good shepherd would die for his sheep. Our greatest need was taken care of at the cross where Jesus died. He was the sacrifice that bridged the gap between humanity and God. He has already taken care of 
our greatest need. Eternal separation from God. He's a good shepherd. And he's taking care of our every need. What has you anxious? What's troubling you? If you could just read Psalm 23 with this shepherd lens that you're just seeing that God is a good shepherd. He's taking care of me. He allows me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of his enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's a good shepherd. So I don't know what has you anxious. But I do know that instead of, instead of following these worst case scenario, false conclusions that haven't actually happened, that we need to center our heart on truth. And so we made something to keep with you. It's uh, nothing magical about it, but it is a, a sheet that, that tells us what does God say about himself and what does God say about you? Because oftentimes we're believing things that aren't true about us and aren't true about God. But I need these reminders and so do you. And so in your D groups, you're gonna get this and it would be my recommendation that you just take a picture of this and put it in your favorite so you can refer to this time and time again because you're not going to always have this with you or you're going to misplace it because you're human. But use this as a way to realign your heart back to where God has you. He's a good shepherd. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word. God, the fact that you have taken care of our greatest need at the cross, that we can have a relationship with you because of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. God, for that student or adult here that's just paralyzed with anxiety, God, I pray for your peace over them. God, I pray that you would lay to rest the lies that they are operating out of, How would you bring your peace? May you just allow the time in our D groups, Lord, to um, be real with one another, to share that I'm not okay. Lord, we thank you for your design in community and the church. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.